0: This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. As we continue this sermon series called, we're going to look at the calling of marriage and why that's important for everyone, for all those who are married and single, why it is so important that we pick up our callings and take up our callings in marriage. From Ephesians chapter 5, written by a man who was single, uh, the Apostle Paul, and what he's, how he sees the importance of marriage. He says this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. His body... Of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and a wife must respect her husband. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for gathering us here. It's not an accident that we are here to hear your word. We pray that you would open the scriptures to us and that you would open up our hearts to receive your truth. And lead me to preach your word accurately according to how you want it to be done. Don't let anything I'm doing get in the way of your will or your spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. About a hundred years ago, marriage was everything. Especially in the Western world. Lately, I've been watching the TV show Downton Abbey with my wife don't judge. <laughs> I'm spending quality time with her. And I don't know how many of you watched that show. I think it came out about 10 years ago, but it's about an aristocratic family who, in England who, who's in control of this large manor, this, this castle, and the relationship between the lords of the manor and the servants. And in that culture, in the Western world, about 100 years ago, marriage was everything. Marriage told you your place in society. It told you what your status was. Marriage is what gave your life meaning and purpose. Marriage was the highest calling. Marriage told you what your inheritance would be. And that's why in the TV show, all the scandal and all the drama is around marriage. Because 100 years ago, marriage was everything in the Western world. Now, even today, that idealization, that, that making marriage this idol, this everything, still kind of lingers. I remember speaking with friends in college, and, and both guys and gals, we all had this idea that, that we had to get married, and if we didn't get married, our life was not complete That marriage was the thing that was going to complete us. It was going to make our life uh, filled with meaning and purpose. And if we didn't get married, well, then our life wasn't really beginning. But if we idolize marriage, if we think marriage is everything, the pinnacle of our existence, our, our highest calling, then we need to remember that the founder of our faith, Jesus Christ, was never married. And Jesus lived a pretty full life. He saved the world. If we think marriage is the pinnacle of our life, the only thing that makes our life worth living, then we need to realize that the apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, was never married, never got married. And he changed the world through his, through his mission work and through his writing. He lived a full and complete life as a single man. And so marriage is not Everything. But I think in today's culture, there's another extreme where we see no value in marriage. Where we don't see the the importance and the value and the gift that marriage actually is. I remember speaking to a friend of mine. uh, This was about 20 years ago. And he was living with his girlfriend at the time. And he told me, he said, You know, Ben, I don't plan on getting married to her. And I don't plan on getting married to anybody. And then he explained to me why. He said... I don't plan on getting married because everyone in my family who has gotten married, their marriage has failed. And everyone that I know who's married seems miserable. And so he just looked out at marriage and didn't see any importance or value. And it seemed like it wasn't working for anyone. And so I don't blame him for not wanting to get married. But it also kind of plays into maybe of our, our consumeristic, individualistic society as well. That we, that we kind of push off marriage when we have that opportunity because it just seems like too big of a burden, too big of a commitment. It's going to stop me from accomplishing the things that I want to accomplish. And so the tendency in our culture today is to devalue marriage. And neither of those extremes are Biblical. As Christians, we should see that marriage is a gift. And so we want to look at our our, our sermon series. We're continuing the sermon series called Called. And we're looking at the different callings that we have in our life. Our highest calling, whether we're single or married, is to be a follower of Jesus, to put God first in our life and to love our neighbor. But today we want to look especially at marriage. And here's the question that we want to answer today. Why does God want husbands and wives to live out their callings in marriage? Why is this so important to God? Why are Christians so obsessed about talking about marriage? Why do we take up a whole Sunday talking about marriage when it might not seem to apply to everybody? Why do we do this? Why, why does God want us to discuss our callings and to live out our callings in marriage? And to answer that question, we're going to go back to Ephesians chapter 5. And as I mentioned earlier, the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter to the Ephesians was a man who himself was never married. And he is the one who writes the longest treatise in the whole Bible. What I just read to you was the longest section in the whole Bible on marriage. If you want to find what the Bible says on marriage, you just go to Ephesians 5. This is it. There's not a ton outside of this on marriage. And it was written by a man who was single. So why would a single guy like Paul uphold marriage and encourage marriage and encourage his his married brothers and sisters in Christ to, to pick up their roles and to take up their roles? Why? Well, as Paul looks at marriage and he describes marriage, he describes it like it's a theater, like a play is going on and that a husband and wife are playing parts in this drama, this divine drama. So as I read this, I want you to picture a stage. I want you to picture a theater. And a husband and wife are playing their roles, their characters in this play. And what he does first is he brings the wife up on stage, has the wife stand center stage, and he first puts the spotlight on her And he gives her her script. And he says, this is the script. This is how you play your part in this divine drama. He says this. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And so when Paul gives the script to the wife and she's standing center stage, the spotlight's on her. She plays the role of what? She plays the character of the church. And so wives, you you dress up like the church. You're playing the role as the church. You act as the church does. And what's the word that he uses here? Probably the most controversial word in the Western world in 2021. He says, submit. Submit. Now, there's a reason that word is controversial, that Paul would say that word. And it's a reason it's controversial today. The reason it's controversial is because there have been men who have used that word as a tool to control, to abuse, to manipulate their wives. And and if that is what... A man thinks he can do, he th- thinks he can take this word and use as a tool for control. He needs to remember that right before this, the opening line of this section says, husband and wives, submit yourselves to one another. That there is a mutual submission. Submit yourselves to one another. That's the first thing you need to remember. And if you think that you can you can use this word to to harm or hurt or manipulate or abuse you have to you'll have to answer to God the father of your spouse and I'm a father that has a, few, a couple daughters and a son and you don't mess with my daughters right and that's what God says here as well so what does this word mean well later on in the section at the very end Paul Explains this word, and he uses the word respect. He uses the word respect, and when the wife respects her husband, she shows us all of us, whether we're married or single, shows us how the church responds to Jesus when she says, "I respect you." Where you all go, go, let's go. Let's do this. I respect you when she respects her husband all of us see that's what we get to do as the church. Jesus, I trust you, I respect you. Wherever you want to take me, Jesus, let's go. That's what Paul says. The wife will teach all of us in the Christian church. And so now the wife exits the stage and and Paul calls up to center stage the husband And he puts the spotlight on the husband and he gives the husband two scripts, two different roles to play. He says this, he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And so as we think about this, husband, what, what character do you play? What, what role do you play in the church? You're supposed to play the role of Jesus. Jesus. This is some pretty big sandals to fill, right? How do you do that? He says, lay down your life for your wife. Put your wife first. Lay down your your life for your wife. Put her first. Put her before your own agenda, your own will, your own desires. What you want to do, put your wife first. And when you do, you show us how Jesus put us first. He laid down his life for us to wash us, to cleanse us, to make us a radiant church. And that's what you are supposed to carry out as husbands. Husbands, look at your wife as if she's never done anything wrong. Don't bring up the past. Don't, don't, don't bring up her past and don't, don't beat her over the head with, with things that have done, been done wrong in the past. And as you do, as you look at your wife as the most beautiful, radiant sinless, blameless person who's ever lived. You show all of us, whether we're married or single, you show all of us how Jesus looks at us. How Jesus doesn't bring up our past. How Jesus doesn't attack us or or hurt us. How Jesus loves us and accepts us and forgives us. You show us all how Jesus loves his people. He's not done yet. He ends us a second script. He says this, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become One flesh. So again, husbands play this role as Jesus. And the way that that this is described in the Bible is that the church is the body of Christ. And Jesus is our head. And that's how husbands are ought to look at their spouse as their own body. And just like Jesus feeds and cares and protects his body, that's what we're supposed to do as husbands. It's not because she needs you or can't do this without you. That's not why we do this. Husbands, take care of your wife and protect her because when you do, you show the rest of the world how Jesus takes care of us. And then Paul, he reminds us of the definition of marriage. He takes us all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. And it reminds us the definition of marriage. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Husbands, when you get married to your wives, you become one body with her. So that's why you take care of her and love her and accept her. And none of us are doing this perfectly. That's why we need to look at the perfect marriage, Jesus Christ, how Jesus has forgiven us. If any of us are feeling guilty today, saying, I haven't lived up to that calling. If any of us are feeling beaten down by today, and this is not what my marriage looks like, that's why we look to the perfect one, Jesus Christ, who lived for you, died for you, rose for you, who doesn't hold it against you. You are forgiven, loved child of God in Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul sums up this whole thing At the end of it, he says this, verse 32. This is a profound mystery. But I'm not talking about marriage. I'm not so concerned about marriage. The profound mystery, I'm talking about Christ and his church. Paul says it's a a profound mystery to think about how God and his people, how we've been separated from God because of our sin, how our relationship with God has been severed. And the profound mystery is how God is going to bring us back together and be reconciled with Jesus. That's the profound mystery. The profound mystery is how God is going to bring heaven and earth and unite them again at the last day. The profound mystery is how God is going to bring all things back together in unity. That's the profound mystery, Christ and the church. And it blows Paul's mind. Paul can't even believe how is this going to happen? How could Jesus and his church be back together? How how could they possibly be one again? How could we be in God's presence again? It's it's beyond his understanding. It's a profound mystery. And yet, something that Paul couldn't put all together, the apostle John, another follower of Jesus, was able to see on the last pages of the Bible, John got a glimpse as to how Jesus and his people were going to be put back together again. And so this is the last pages of the scriptures. It says this in Revelation chapter 21, it says this. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. God's going to make all things new. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, the church, God's people coming down out of heaven from God as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And so what John sees on the last day is the bride of Christ, his church, God's people coming to her husband, beautifully dressed, all clean, all forgiven, all accepted, And then I heard a throne from the throne of God saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among his people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. So on the last day, the real marriage the marriage that all of our marriage is supposed to be pointing to, the real marriage between Jesus and his church will will happen. The, The end of the world, the renewed world, the resurrection points to the day when there'll be a wedding celebration between God and his people again. So that helps us answer our opening question. Why does God want husbands and wives to live out their callings in marriage? Why do this? Because marriage tells the story of God's relationship with his people. That's what marriage is supposed to point us to. When someone looks at a godly marriage, whether they're single, whether they're married, when they look at a godly marriage, you're supposed to see just a glimpse of God and his people. They're supposed to see this this divine drama playing out in front of them. They're supposed to see these actors up on a stage acting like Jesus and his people, and they teach us what it's all supposed to look like. That's why it's so powerful and so important that we make marriage a priority. So let's get into the details. How do we do that? How do we do that? See, Paul ends this section by by summing up everything. He says, however... Each of you must also love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Fulfill your roles. How do we do that? How do husbands do that? He says, husbands love your wives as you love yourself. I've been looking at the last, I don't know, quite a, quite a, quite a few years at the top selling books on Amazon and uh, one of the books that just keeps on getting pushed to the top of the list is The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Have any of you ever heard of this book? I mean, it was written 20, 30 years ago. And there's been marriage book after marriage book after marriage book that keep on getting put out every year. I mean, hundreds of books every year, thousands of books. And this book continues to be at the top. And if you're not much of a reader, husbands, let me just tell you basically what it means. If you're trying to figure out how do I love my wife, how do I do it? Well, everybody's got a primary love language. And it's your job to figure out how your wife primarily feels love, not how you feel love, but how does your wife feel loved and to put that at the top of your list. And so for some of you, your wives, they feel loved with words of affirmation. That's their love language. And so write them a note. Some of you, your wife feels lo- loved with a gift. So buy her a coffee. Uh, some of you, your wife feels love with quality time. So watch Downton Abbey, right? <laughs> some of you, your wife feels loved with acts of service, and so clean up the kitchen. Some of you, your wife feels love with personal touch, and give her a hug with no agenda. Put that at the top of your list. At the top of your list every day, uh, before cutting the lawn or fixing the drain or going to work or exercising or whatever it is, at the top of your list, the action I can do every day, the action I can do to love my wife, however she feels loved, I'm going to do that action. Husbands, love your wives. Figure out how she feels loved and then do that action every single day. And when you do, you show us how Jesus loves us. Figure out what it is, put that on your to-do list, and do it. And then wives, he says, wives, respect your husbands. Now, I've been teaching premarital classes for, you what know, is it, 10, 11 years now? And I've taught quite a few classes and spoken with, with quite a few uh, couples. And what I found is that this verse is true. I, every man that I've talked to, 100% of the time, and when you ask them, would you rather be loved or respected? Would you rather be loved or respected? And I don't know why this is. I don't know the psychology behind it. I don't know the, 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 the spirituality behind it. I don't understand it. But what Paul says here, I have seen is true. Where it says, wives, respect your husbands. That 100% of the time, husbands will say, I'd rather be respected than loved. And so that means one of the, the most important things you can do is to find something. You probably don't respect everything that your husband's doing, but find some way, some way that you appreciate what they're doing and you, you let them know, I respect you for this. You're leading our family in the right way. And one of the worst things you can do, especially in front of other people, in front of his friends, is to cut him down and act like what he's doing is, is foolish and silly and stupid. But one of the best ways is to let them know. Find that one thing that that you respect and say, I I respect the way you're leading this family. I respect what you're doing. I like what you're doing. And when you do that, we all learn something about the church. And so wives, respect your husbands. Let me remind everybody here, marriage is not everything. To be married does not mean that you live a complete life. Marriage is not everything. Marriage is not even our highest calling. Our highest calling is to be a child of God, to love God above all things and to love our neighbors as ourselves. That gives us a complete life. That gives us meaning and purpose, whether we're single or married, that's our calling. And yet marriage does have value. If God has called you to be married, take up that role. Take up your role. Take up the script that God has given you and play your part in this divine drama because we're all watching. And it looks like this world is headed towards bad news. It looks like this world is headed towards division and separation and pain and suffering. But when we look at you and you've taken up those roles and you have a unified marriage, you give us hope that this story is headed to a happy ending. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you today with all of our guilt and our shame and all the ways that we haven't lived up to your callings that that you've given us, whether we're single or married, and we lay them before your feet. And we ask that you would give us the kind of forgiveness that you promised, that you look at us as a radiant church. You look at us as if we've never done anything wrong, that you wash us again in the waters of our baptism and you call us perfect and holy and blameless. And now freed from any guilt, any sin, Lord God, we pray that you would lead us to take up our callings. If we're called to be married, that we take up our roles as husbands and wives to play our part in the divine drama to a watching world. In your name we pray, amen.